Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 1030. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 West Truman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you this morning for your presence, for safe travels, for warm places together. We worship you, Father, in spite of all the stuff on this planet. We know that you're in control. You've acted in history to save us, and we thank you for that. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, during the Christmas season, we light different candles that have different meanings. We call them the Advent candles. And Bob Brennan is going to light the Advent candle today of joy. As he does so, I'll read a passage from Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the master of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. And the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. There wasn't a lot of happiness and joy at the time. The Jewish people often struggled for centuries. And the prophet's message was, Someday there will be joy that is everlasting. And that joy can be with us now, not because of good circumstances, but because of a good God who is working with us. Jesus is with us, giving us a reason to get up every day and go on with our lives. Salvation beginning to break 
Lord Jesus, oh, give from above the King of the heavens forever with us. praises be unto your name my God and my Savior my King and my friend yours is the glory forever amen yours is the glory forever amen yours is the Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 2, Gospel of Luke. As always, we pray lots of things. A world not at peace. Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning for your presence, for the privilege of worship in a free country. We gather in comfort and safety. Thank you. We worship you, Father, because you are a God who is worthy of worship. You are good and generous and caring. You have blessed us. In this nation, we are comfortable and safe. We eat. We sleep well. We have lives that are really unimaginable to so many. Thank you. We thank you especially for this life that we have in Jesus forgiveness of sins, a life without a burden of guilt, strength in this life, hope for the life to come. Thank you, Father, for providing for us. And Father, we thank you for creating us as we are, with the potential for good within us, with the potential for life-giving relationships, for the ability to remember, to build life on memories, to have hope for the future. Thank you. Lord, this morning we ask you to be with us in worship. We know some here struggle. In our congregation there are those with struggle with just day-to-day -day decisions. Be with them, Father. Help us all in our daily efforts at relationships. Help us to be gracious and kind, forgiving and loving. Help us, Father, to love those that differ with us, 
to be gracious and kind to them too, to love our enemies, to rise above the humanity that is so common. Help us to be the people that you've created us to be. As always, be with our soldiers and their families. Comfort them, protect them, be with our first responders and use them to save lives and bring peace. Guide our leaders. In our own government, we fight. There is great division. Help us to stand together anyway. Give us hope for better days. Help us to resist the current trend to hate those that disagree with us. It's so easy. It comes naturally. It feeds on our fears. Help us to rise above that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You remember Rodney King, years ago, beaten by the Los Angeles Police Department, Got it on film, you remember that. Remember what he said later in tears? Can't we all just get along? The answer is no, isn't it? We can't. I tried to think today of something that no, no one fights over. You know, we fight over everything. Money, food, clothes, power, all those obvious things. We fight over everything. I grew up in a family of loud, bullheaded men. I know you can't imagine that. But my dad was a strong, loud, often bullheaded man who thought that Chrysler's were the only car on the road, owned a Chrysler dealership. My brothers, both born with the gift of omniscience and knew everything. And I grew up watching them fight over all things automotive dad would set them in the car, one in the front seat, one in the back, so that he could put mom in between them to keep them from throwing fists at each other in a, a car of eight people, six kids and, two, and a mom and dad. Didn't work very well. Mom often caught a wild fist, and that was never a good thing. We fought over everything, my family. From what I could tell, so did other families just like that. The other day, I was standing there with, uh, it was a Tuesday morning, I think, two or three weeks ago. So, Terry, you weren't there for this. The two boys that come in and talk to me so much, two brothers, they came in. One is six and one is eight. Good kids, kind of a checkered family life. They're, she, they live with their grandparents, and she brings them. And, and it was a rough day for the family. She brings a carload of five kids, and the two older boys stay with me and keep me company. And um, grandma takes the three kids upstairs. And they usually are all over each other, having a good time laughing and telling me all sorts of escapades and all those kinds of things. But not this day. They came in and the old one sat down and goes. The little one, a little more sensitive sort, kept trying to talk to him. He wasn't having none of it. He'd poke him, trying to get something started just to have fun. And the little one I watched as the older one ignored him and wouldn't talk to him, choked back to tears. I said, what is going on with you guys? And in a stumble of words and tears, he told me we'd been fighting for two days. Two days they'd been fighting. 
I said, well, where'd this start? At school. I said, you got in a fight at school? Yeah. I said, you get in a fist fight at school? Yeah. I said, you got in big trouble? Yeah. Then what'd you do when you got home? Well, we got in a fight then too. And so they came there and that was still going on. It was the next week before things went back to normal. It really bothered me because this little boy, the littlest one, the six-year-old, he was hurt by this fight. You know, when brothers fight, you know, it's just kind of the way things are. It's not the way it's supposed to be, but it's the way things are. But you never think that one of them actually gets their feelings hurt. But in that setting, the little boy was hurt. He loved his older brother. And they were used to fighting. I mean, they do this all the time. But there was something about that that was different. And I grieve for that little boy. I knew that this wouldn't be the only time that he was fighting with his brother. Knowing their family situation and just the way life is, the little boy would grow up to have many fights and difficulties, wouldn't he? Even good kids fight, just the way it is. And even when we grow up and become responsible, we fight. We hopefully grow out of the fist fight phase, but we fight and argue and fuss and spat. Sometimes we hate. Sometimes we plot for revenge. Sometimes we save something to use it at the right time. And you all know what I'm talking about. We really can't get along easily. It's really sad. Wouldn't it be great if somebody could do something to help that? It almost seems like it's going to take an act of God for us to learn how to get along. And exactly that is what's going to take. An act of God. And you know where this is going. God has done that act to help us get along. There's a miraculous way that God works in our lives, of course, and we're going to talk about that. At the same time, you and I both know God isn't going to force himself on us. He's not going to force those two little boys to get along. He's not going to force us to submit to each other. He's not going to force us to be gracious and forgiving. But if we so choose to do that, he can help us. In the passage in Luke, I'm going to read verses 8 through 16. You can follow along if you would. And I'm being very conscious of the clock today. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, round them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as they lay in the manger. So the heavenly host sang or chanted, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men. Jesus can enable us to have peace. 
He can't make you do anything. He won't make the person with whom you are fighting do anything. But God can move. God can work. God can influence. And since you can't control the other person, the only thing you can do is control yourself. And so when you see God working and you hear that the angel's saying, peace on earth, what you can do is learn that for you, you can be the peacemaker. You can learn from Jesus. You can learn from God's efforts. And you can make that first step in being the peacemaker. The little boy that I talked about, all he could do was poke and try to get his brother to come around. But there was no peace until the older brother said so. The little boy was doing all he could, just a dumb little boy. Didn't know what to do. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. The kind of peace that God can give. And again, you can't do anything about anyone else. This is coming from you and to you. First, you can live without guilt. Don't raise your hands. How many of you have felt the sting of guilt? And it carried you every day, and it burdened you, and you couldn't shake it. You do not have to live that way. There is a sense of peace that comes when you learn to go to God and say, forgive me. We've all got things. We've got stuff. Only Jesus can cleanse you. And only Jesus can give you that sense of forgiveness. People give special offerings to church. I've had people come into church, sometimes to my office. Years ago, a man came into my office, and he felt guilty. And he told me that. He didn't tell me what he had done, but he felt guilty. And he wrote me out a very large check to the church. He thought that was going to take care of it. I talked to him about God's forgiveness, and he really wasn't in the mood to talk, and he left. People live with guilt. You don't have to. Another thing that God can help us with, this Christ child, he can give us a sense of self-control. Again, you can't control other people. But God can help you control you. If you're like me, sometimes you are your own worst enemy. A slip of the tongue. Maybe sometimes it's not a slip. You ever done that? You said something that it was a slip, but you wanted to say it anyway. God can help you gain control of that. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. One of the most obvious gifts of the Spirit. One of the most productive fruits of the Spirit. The ability to control you. Not others. You. Your mouth. Your urge to hurt. Your desire for revenge. To control you. You cannot fix people. Wish I could. All you can do is work on you. And that's a hard thing. You know, I remember in psychology classes back in college, I remember the teachers harping on that. You can't fix other people. You can only fix you. And I remember thinking, well, that's dumb. And then the more I heard it and the longer I got older, you know, I began to realize they're right. I, I can't fix anybody. I can't do anything. I can manipulate. I can shove and push and cajole. But ultimately, I can only control me. And there is freedom in that. I am not responsible for someone else's behavior. But I am 
absolutely responsible for me. And Jesus can give you self-control to offer forgiveness when maybe people don't deserve it. I mean, if you want to hold a grudge, you can. Ever notice that you can be mad at people for years and the nerve of them, they don't even know you're mad. And you think you're going to hurt them. They don't even know. You hurt yourself when you don't let go. Practice the self-control that God can give. Because Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, left this earth. He gave us the Spirit. This was essential. The Holy Spirit came to every one of us as Christians only when Jesus left. And we have this gift within us. And the inner calm is just the idea that life doesn't have to be perfect for it to be good. You know, we get in that trap sometimes, don't we? We focus on one thing in life, the one negative thing. And everything else is tainted by that. And I understand it. I'm just like you. I can have 20 compliments on a sermon. And someone says one hurtful thing. And guess which one I think about all week, you know. You know, we all do that. And what we have to learn to do as Christians is learn to allow God to help us focus on those good things. This is why Paul taught us whatever is good and pure and righteous. And he gave a list of things. Think on these things. You see, it's a teaching from God. Come to us because Jesus changed lives. And when he left, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul, who gave us those words. Think on these things. That enables us to be different. You see, it's all about Jesus, not just his coming. If all you do is think about Jesus coming at Christmas, that's a great thing, but that's not all the story, is it? Jesus came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, he ascended. And in that story of Advent, in that Christ story, one of the other things about this whole Christian thing, it's not just practical, it is practical, but it is profoundly spiritual, I remember on Jay Leno, I used to stay up late and watch TV. I can't do that anymore just because I can't. And uh, I mean, my wife will let me, but I just can't physically stay awake. And I loved to watch Jay Leno. He was just funny, and he was a great interviewer, and you remember him. He had a comedian one night, and I don't remember who the comedian was, but he was one of those big, big names at the time. And it was at the Christmas time, and so they were talking about Christmas, how they would celebrate. And, and Jay had talked about himself for just a little bit, as he did. And then he asked this gentleman, well, now, what do you do for Christmas? And the man immediately went into a tirade about how much he hated Christmas, and he refused to celebrate. And it was obvious there was something going on with him that was bigger than just this question. And Jay Lennon was kind of taken aback, and everybody got real quiet. And Jay said, well, why don't you celebrate Christmas? He goes, Christmas is a celebration of a horrible God. And then he summed up the gospel from his perspective. He goes, Christmas is this. God is great and powerful and righteous, and he loves you so much that if you don't love him back, he will kill you. And people laughed and then stopped. It was one of those uneasy moments on awkward silence. And just for a moment, Jay Leno was speechless. And then being Jay Leno, he cracked a joke and it went on. And they never discussed Christmas again that night in that show. I think there are many who have that perspective of God. It's a distorted perspective. They focus on the negatives that they've heard. They focus on misunderstandings. They hear a story 
They hear a Christian who says something wrong and they begin to see God as a God who is angry and uncaring and wants to hurt. And unfortunately, that's just not the God we worship at all. The Old Testament has many stories of God in judgment. We focus on that, the period of the judges, the prophets calling down judgment from people's sin and all those kinds of things. And those are all true stories. What we often forget, though, is before God acted in judgment, always before God acted in judgment, he would sometimes wait for decades as he would send his people who were loyal to him and would call people to repentance. Repent. Repent. Turn towards God. One prophet explained that God really doesn't want to punish. What he wants to do is bless us. What he wants to do is express his love for us. We're even taught that God's primary emotion towards us isn't anger, but love and grace. It should be that the story of Jesus, God coming as infant, taking this great risk, living this life, allowing Jesus to be murdered, crucifixion, and resurrection. It should be that that story would show us what God really is all about, and it does when you listen, but some people forget, and they they don't understand what the gospel is, and they turn the story of Jesus into kind of a cheesy, schmaltzy holiday where we spend too much, eat too much, and get together with people and, and do stupid things sometimes. Nothing wrong with holiday celebrations, but this Christian faith we share is much more than a holiday, isn't it? It's much more than buying gifts for people. It's much more than Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you've heard all those things. They're all true. The story of Jesus is a story of a loving God who acted to change us to give us a chance of being better so to Rodney King even though the truth is no we can't get along the bigger truth is we can be better we don't have to be like we are and there will come a time when God comes and begins this process of recreating us he makes us better than we are I have a friend who was known as a fighter and a loudmouth. He was just a jerk. A good guy, but a jerk. And then somewhere along the way, he stumbled into Jesus. And I don't know the whole story, but he had a very dramatic conversion experience. And, and he was immediately changed. Became a preacher. Learned how to work with people allowed scriptures to change him, allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him to become a pastor, did a pretty decent job. He was in smaller churches in rural areas all his life. Pretty good guy, wasn't perfect, had his flaws, kind of rough around the edges, you know the type. But a dramatic story of God taking a man of anger and fighting and turning into a man of peace. That's the story that we can tell. To those two little boys in my, that were sitting in my presence that morning, I said, you guys don't have to do this. You need to grow up and, and learn how to get along and say you're sorry. And they didn't listen to me. I'm just a preacher. And they'll have to grow up and learn on their own. But, you know, there is hope for us. I watch the news, and I am so discouraged about us 
I don't know what to do. I have family members that can't talk now because they're on opposite sides. And, and rather than valuing relationships, they value cheap shots and taking shots at each other. We can rise above this. It doesn't mean we're going to agree, but we don't have to be like we are. In this Christ child, there can be peace. And in the future, God will fix all of this. And fightings will end. We can have peace. Why don't you stand with me? We're just going to close with a word of prayer. And I'm going to let you go. Look at that. The preacher quit early. First time and only time, maybe. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you. You have blessed us. Help us to love and be gracious. Help us to get along. When racist thoughts come to our minds and hearts, cleanse us and forgive us. We pray, Father, for the ability to love those that disagree, for a willingness to forgive, for the ability to control our tongues, to keep our emotions at bay, and to honor you in all ways. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.